How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you're a loyal listener, I appreciate it a ton. Make sure you share with your friends. It's the best way that you can help support the show. And if it's your first time, make sure you subscribe on whatever listening platform it is that you listen on. And check out the clips on YouTube. Follow on social media at Real Curious Jones. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to bringing a lot more shows with a lot more cool people that I continue to meet across a lot of different places. So uh, yeah, I'm very excited. And today's episode, I'm also very excited about. It's a person that I've become friends with over the past few years. Uh, we're from the same hometown. He's uh, a little older than I am, but kind of knew who he was. He was a radio personality. Um, we talked about that on a previous podcast that I had him on. And uh, I really appreciate his perspective. He's grown a huge podcast community uh, and, and more than a podcast community, a, a community of like-minded men called Manlyhood. Um, he's got some social media groups with thousands of members where um, there's just a place for people to share perspectives, uh, advice, um, you know, ideas on everything, on how to create, uh, you know, uh, accountability, how to, uh, you know, a lot of focus on religion and God. And he's got a background. Uh, I believe his degree is uh, in religion, if I'm not mistaken. And we talked about that in this podcast. And I actually wanted to talk to him about a lot of my beliefs around aliens and my past uh, you know, and growing up in a very religious household. So really cool conversation. We talked some conspiracies and just a whole lot of stuff. So, um, you know, I asked him at the end, how should I, you know, represent you? What do you want me to call you? Cause you do a lot of things. And, you know, he wanted me to make sure to say he's a father, he's a husband, he's a friend. Um, but he is a podcaster and, uh, you know, a marketer and an entrepreneur. So I want to give him his props across all of that. And he's a really great conversation as well. So, Give it up for my guest, Josh Hatcher. So how have you been, man? Good. Life has been crazy. It's been uh, ups. I, I say good. Everybody, you're, that's what you're supposed to say, right? It's like automatically... Like the first fine. thing that comes up. Honestly, it hasn't always been fine. There's been a lot of junk that I can't get into all of it, but there's been, it's not like I'm trying to be more honest with people when they ask me that question. So when they're like, how's it going? And I say good or fine, but it's not always, I mean, today yeah. it's good. It's been good for a little bit, but yeah, man, since we've talked last, there's been lots of crazy. So yeah, she's it's, you, you do get caught up, right? Like, what what you almost want to say is what you think people's expectation is, right? Like you want to be positive for them. You don't want to burden other people with your with your issues or your problems. So you say things are good, right? So yeah, there's like a thousand reasons why we say things are good. Like one, we don't want to burden people. Two, maybe we're ashamed. Three, we're like, okay, I don't trust this person. I mean, that happens a lot. It's like, I could tell you, but you're going to run your mouth to everybody. I don't mean you, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, there might be a few people listening to this. that might. So. 
no, but, but that's, that's something I've been, I've been trying to do recently is just to kind of recognize how dude, we're like getting, you're, you asked me a simple question and I'm getting deep already. No, but just, I've been trying to just to recognize and understand, like, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. And you got to just be real with it. So that's what well, I'm trying to figure out. When you think about it, a lot of the stories that resonate with you across the world, right? Primarily on social media, because that's so much where we get our information, but it's people and real stories behind social media, which is just the channel to get it to you. Mm -hmm. And it's always the, you know, the, the guy or girl that goes from a bad situation into a good situation. We're always looking for that kind of jelly roll character, right? You know, or the Oliver Anthony character. And when you think about it that way, it's interesting that we don't find being vulnerable about our challenges a little bit more appealing because I think that's kind of the, the popular thing. And quite honestly, I wonder how much of that is going to be manufactured. I've heard it about Oliver Anthony, like, Oh, he's a plant. He's a seed. He's not real. He's, he's just somebody that they're trying to implant to yeah. say some things. I don't believe that for a second. I think he's he, a dude he, that hit the lottery, right? He just, he threw some things into this crazy internet world, got a couple of really interesting people to reshare it in their networks, and the rest is history. And who knows? I mean, he might be a blip on the radar a year from now, or he's going to turn it into something special. But I think those stories resonate so much. Like, I, I'm captivated by people who have had challenging lives. They're interesting. And so, like, I've... I've tried to lean into that. I, I think I could be a lot more vulnerable. Uh, but I, then I also think, you know, my wife's like, you fucking share a lot of stuff on that podcast. Like you, you tell, you tell a lot of things on that. And in a way it's like my therapy, right? So it's like, I probably do. I forget sometimes that I'm sitting here having a conversation that doesn't matter how many people are listening to it, but just the fact that anybody else sometimes is listening to it. Um, but I think it's all good at the, in the end. Yeah, no, dude, I totally get it. I, um, dude, you said like a whole bunch there that now I want to talk about. So let's come back to Oliver Anthony in a minute. Cause I want to yeah. talk about that guy, dude. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I definitely like, I know with my podcast with the manlyhood man cast and what we're doing there, I tell people all the time that it is as much for me as it is anybody else. Like I'm not just there preaching to everybody to tell them, you know, how to be a better man. I'm like learning it. And then I'm telling people what I'm learning and working through, you know, and well, I think that really matters. You know? I think it's important. I want to do it justice because I'm a part of the online community. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll say like, I'll get updates <clears throat> And I don't, I don't have a lot of, I try to like go in and get rid of any of the updates tied to social media. Cause it's just before you know it, every app that you've downloaded in the last three years, you've got some push notification about something, right. And they're just interconnected. It's like, oh, you walked by a Rite Aid and there's something on sale in there here. We want to let you know. Um, but one of the things I do get push notifications on is Manlyhood, the group on Facebook, right? So it's not you. It's other people that are sharing, you know, the tough situation, being vulnerable, exactly kind of like what we're talking about. And I think it's interesting because these are people who are trying to go in the right direction and they're using a community of 
others who may have had similar experiences, but at a minimum are coming from a place of no judgment. And I just, I sit back, right? I haven't really ever contributed a whole lot. And you're a lurker. Uh, Do you know how often I hear that, by the way? Like every day somebody's like, man, I'm a part of that group and I really love it, but I never say anything. But not, not for, (laughs) not because I wouldn't, um, but because I do, I actually, I see how much the people that are sharing things really it's i mean there's nobody in there trolling people it's all very much like hey i've gone through this or i've got a perspective and usually everybody's got any perspective that i have covered when i look but it's it's interesting because like there's a genuine desire to want to help people and that's i mean at the end of the day isn't that what we want in society Mm -hmm. shouldn't we want to get back to a place it's it's we've always been divided by political party i mean when you're talking about this many people in the in the country, hasn't it really always been like millions and millions of people who have the complete opposite feelings as you? And before the internet, before I knew what Josh Hatcher thought, <laughs> before I knew what any any celeb like, you know what I mean? It's like you didn't know. You ran into him at the gas station. You waved. You said hi. You asked him how they're doing, and they said fine. Yeah. Right. Exactly. They said good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But it's, it is such a shame that, and, and think about what came from that. I think about that all the time. I'm like, there's a lot that came from interactions that won't ever happen today. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of inventions. There's been a lot of great music because two entertainers or two musicians who in today's world, don't see eye to eye because one of them's a staunch Republican and one of them's a Joe Biden licking Democrat, you know, and (laughs) like they'll never collaborate because like, how could I ever be seen with the enemy or work with the enemy? And I think about how sad that is. And in in both like, what are we never going to get to experience as a result, but more like what we won't experience in the form of like, cultural progression because there's so many examples throughout history of where that scenario played out into a larger movement, a a bigger cause, a bigger impact on people in general. And I don't know that we have that ability anymore. We certainly, I think, have a more dynamic or a, a more powerful ability to generate power on either side now because it's so polarized that it's like all focused on those different sides. But yeah, it's, I don't know how we got down this doom and gloom path, but it's, <laughs> it's you know, I, I, I see that we, we just, we don't have that human connection like we used to. So I think now I know I'm your neighborhood conspiracy theorist some days, but I think it's intentional. I think that there are powers that be that want us divided, which now I think, here we go. I'm going to go to the Oliver Anthony thing. Cause like, I know we're like totally spiraling into million, no, but that's okay. I think Oliver Anthony is legit, right? I think he's a legit guy, but I think that there are, and I think that, his message reson- his message resonated with people and that's why he got noticed but then it got pushed even further in front of people 
because um like his message is basically all of Washington sucks. Let's uh let's forget about them, right? Oh, yeah, and you get every right-wing politician that's like, "Hey, yeah, like look at this guy. Hey, do you want to come sing at my, you know, my <laughs> campaign stop in Jonesboro, Arkansas?" Like yeah, he's and like they're no. so tone deaf to not realize he's not singing for your team either. Right, right. Yeah. But I think that so I there at my last job, I just started a new job, by the way. That's something awesome that I could tell you about. Uh Congrats. since you asked me how things are going. Good stuff. I'm working right here in the man cave every day and it's amazing. Um but uh I, I worked with this old guy, he was a military guy, and I mean the dude is a genius, you know, just genius and he'd come in every day and he would talk about stuff and you know he he asked this question several times in the past i mean since 2020 and he said so what would happen if they threw a war and nobody came and 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 he would always i would be like freaking out about something that you see going on in the news or in the world and i'd be like hey did you see this or the conspiracy theorists are saying this you know or these people are saying this and he would be like what would happen if somebody threw a war and nobody came? And I think that if you look at the, the influence and the amplification given to things like Black Lives Matter or some of these other situations, right? And, and I'm not – I actually – I hate racism. Let's put that out there to be sure. Sh- to be clear, you know what I mean? But you look at the amplification given to certain messages so that they snowball and they get bigger and the attempts at doing that. And then you look at like Charlottesville. Do you remember Charlottesville a few years ago where everybody showed up and they were like chanting something that seemed racist? Again, it got kind of spun into, it was like a neo-Nazi or some sort of like white supremacy. Right. And then you've got the January 6th situation, which to me, like, I think 90% of that was just stupid people walking in a large group, right? That <laughs> that were at the wrong place at the wrong time, not thinking about what they were doing, just going along with the crowd. And then I think there were a lot of people who were egging it on and they were really surprised and disappointed. The people in charge were really surprised and disappointed that it didn't turn violent the way they wanted it to, that it didn't turn into a war. I mean, that moment right there, right? That could have been a complete revolution that completely transformed the entire culture forever. And it didn't. So they're trying to make it sound like it did. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. The people that stormed the Capitol, that walked through the front doors and that pushed through the barricades, I think they're kind of dumb. I don't think that's the way we're going to make real and good and helpful change, right? Well, and I don't think most of the people that did that were there for that. They were there the same way that you know, I'm with you, right? Racism is horrible. I also think that by and large, this isn't to say that there's not racism and who am I? I'm a white guy. Like I, I I don't really have a perspective on living in a, in a world where that specific angle of, of hate or bias has ever been put on me. But I mean, we did go through the civil rights movement. We did abolish slavery. We did fight a civil war. We did a lot of things to get ourselves away from that history. And we had a black president. We have, I mean, if you go and look, there's a lot of diversity in 
large organizations, aspects of the government. There's, you know, and certainly there's a lot of areas to improve. I'm not like sitting here trying to be an apologist for white people, but I, I think when you think about it, if you take a step back and you really think about it, what's really going on and why are these things being focused on and driven primarily by white people who have something to gain in a political sense, like they're running for office and need somebody's vote. Mm -hmm. That's always where it starts. And I'm just skeptical of anybody that's saying anything. Mm -hmm. And that's back to the Oliver Anthony. That's on both sides of it. Like, let's not get it twisted. They all vote yes on allowing themselves to be able to trade in the stock market. Like they all protect each other in the establishment. And we're all sitting out here thinking somebody's coming in on a white horse to save us. Mm-hmm. They're going to save themselves before they save any of us. Right. And yeah. so I think that what is happening is the people in power want to stay in power and they're going to do anything they can to stay in power. So if that means stirring up the dissenters, if that means throwing on matching khakis and face masks and riot shields and showing up as the quote unquote Patriot front. Right. You you ever look into the Patriot front group? They keep like labeling them in the media as these right wing extremists, but they're totally feds. (laughs) Like they're totally like undercover feds trying to stir something up. There's no way. There's no way. Well, I saw the Vivek. um, I can't remember. What is his last name? Vivek Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. he took some heat where he was talking about, and I love how people try to twist words. I like that guy. I like, I, I really, really like him a lot. You know, I think to shame, he's not going to win the presidency and it'd be smart. And I, and I wonder like Trump's not taking shots at him and he's not taking shot. He's like very like complimentary of Trump. And I think he's a smart businessman and he's kind of playing this game theory where he's like, okay, I'm going to lose and I'll hurt my future if I try to tangle with Trump and Trump's a rabid dog and will go down trying to kill me before he ever lets me beat him. So mm-hmm. how do I play into his graces? Maybe get that VP pick, set myself up for if an impeachment happens, becoming the president and or coming in on the tail end of a, a second term of Trump to then run for eight years myself as I'm a little bit older in my 40s. Like this guy's not thinking like a politician. He's thinking like a businessman. Right. And add to it. I mean, the dude's Indian, right? Yeah. So like they can't say if Trump picks him as his VP, they can't call him a racist. Yeah. No, well, I mean, they still, <laughs> they still will. I mean, I, it's, know, I know, but it's, it's I just think it's that's just it. such a world of double standards, but you know, I was getting back to like um, Vivek was making a comment about like, Hey, I think we should have the right to understand how many federal agents were on the ground on January 6th? Just exactly. like we have the right to know how many federal agents were involved, I think is what he said around 9-11. And then they instantly spun it and they're like, so you're saying that 9-11 was an inside job? And he's like, no, I'm just saying we did a report, you know, like the government lied to us. People still, like, I had this conversation with, um, you know, Jada Casper. So um, I was talking to Jake and um, we were talking about 9-11 yesterday and he's like, I hate to be negative, but like, it's just hard to see the support, which like we both said, like we get it. It's the support is for the people who died, the firefighters and the police officers, the, all the first responders that came, 
but it's just like, never forget. Like when I hear the words, never forget, I think like, never forget that we got lied to by our government. Never forget that like Saudi Arabia was involved and they knew Saudi Arabia was involved from the jump. The Bush administration flew Saudi nationals out of this country, high ranking Saudi nationals within an hour. They shut down commercial flights. They weren't letting people in or out of anywhere, but they arranged to get high ranking Saudi nationals out of the country because they knew now whether they knew it was going to happen. I got I don't, I don't know. Right. But it doesn't look good when you've been lied to. And then by the way, those lies literally get you involved in a 20 year war with a country that had nothing to do with it. Why, like I, why were we searching in Afghanistan? Didn't we find bin Laden in Pakistan? And then we conveniently march into Iraq and clean up Bush's dad's fucking mess from the Gulf war. And like, there's so much to that, that people forget. And that that's the problem, right? Like, I'm sorry, I'm getting like passionate, but it's just, it's frustrating because that was the Republican party. That was the conservative right. They drug us into a war and that war is what people oppose. Not the party, not the people. It was the war. And now here we are again, drug into Ukraine to do the same fucking thing. Sorry for my French, but it's like to do the same thing for the same reasons because people saw other people get rich 20 years ago. And they're like, well, we want to do this. Well, right. And then it's like, it was the same thing in Vietnam. And I hate to say it. I think like Hitler was evil and needed to be stopped, but it was the same thing in world war two. Cause we didn't get involved to stop Hitler. Right. Like when we could have stopped Hitler at the beginning, we didn't, you know, it's, I mean, listen, we went through world war one. I think there was a lot of industrialization that came from that. So I don't, I can't say you're wrong. I mean, certainly anything from the 60s on, we haven't been in a war that I think is justified when you think about the amount of money that we spend on other types of technology to be over there doing the things that we're doing. And then to connect all the dots behind the scenes with all these people. Like, and it's it's just like, people should be mad. It shouldn't be, oh, you're crucifying my savior in Biden or you're crucifying my savior in Trump or you're... It's like we should be so ashamed that the standard of our leadership at all is to where it is. It's not about any individual, the whole thing, the whole thing. The fact I'm more disappointed, less in the people that have taken advantage of the system that they're a part of and more disappointed in my peers who allow it to happen right in front of them because we could be a vocal majority and not have color, race, creed, political party get in the way of exactly what they're trying to keep us from, which is, Hey, you're not allowed to come sit at the cool table. So instead of having all of you guys sit over there and realize that you're not able to ever come over here in the cool table with us, unless we anoint one of you, what we're going to do is start a bunch of rumors and let this little section think that this section over here hates them because of something they said. And then you guys will just fight over here and we'll just sit up here in our area that we don't want you in and we won't even have to hold you off because you guys are going to just destroy yourselves. And I mean, it's silly to reduce it down to like high school, but I like, I find so many similarities in everything, whether it's COVID, you know, it's like you think about how teachers try to control students when it's, it's just like, it's all the same stuff. It's like, whether it's in high school, grade school, or at the highest levels of the United States government to try to get people to comply. 
And it's even like going to Oliver Anthony, not to keep rambling, but like to bring it all back to even that guy. He was on talking about how there's all these rumors online about him being stuck at Burning Man. And he's like, yo, I'm, I'm not in Burning Man. So I see one of these posts after he made that kind of announcement, like, hey, I'm not in Burning Man, but like you guys can keep arguing about it. Three days later, I see this post online. It pops up and it's like, Oliver Anthony stuck at Burning Man. And I like click in the comments and dude, there's thousands and thousands of comments of people literally arguing with each other and bashing this guy around information that they don't have any validity. It has, has zero validity. They don't have any proof. And it's so inconsequential when you're talking about a folk singer, like who cares? He doesn't care that they, he thinks it's funny. Mm-hmm. But it matters because it's how people do everything. It's how they consume all of their information. It's how they're voting for the leaders of our country who have, forget just their fingers on nuclear weapons, but they're they're influencing, you know, financial policies in this country. They're, you know, making, I mean, people forget. I bought a house seven years ago. I got a interest rate in my house that was in the low 3%. You could have perfect credit right now and put down 20%. Good luck getting something under seven. Mm-hmm. And the implications on that, when you start to match it with the fact that the cost of a home has doubled in the same amount of time. So not only are you paying more for the money you're borrowing, you have to borrow twice as much. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the people who are 10 years younger than myself and, and yourself or people who just have had life circumstances because maybe they got a job that made them move. You know, maybe they bought their home. They, they were put a lot down. They're really deep in equity. They, you know, come out on top and they got to take that money and put it in a down payment. And now they're paying 7% on a house. that's fucking inflated. Like, and that's because people don't do their research. They don't take accountability. They vote with a team. They let the crowd speak for them. They don't stand up to bullies in public. They don't stand up to authority when they know that it's wrong, you know? And I'm, I'm finally, I think there is some of that, whether it's his music or even these people down in New Mexico who I'm seeing like rallies all over the place where they're showing up in like town squares, fully loaded with open carry mm-hmm. because of a governor who thinks that she doesn't like guns. So she's going to create a state of state of emergency which then gives her the authority to abolish the second amendment right of the citizens of that state. Now I am 100% pro second amendment. It is important to note that what has happened there in New Mexico is there is a spat of gun violence, right? Like there's been significantly high numbers of, of people carrying, getting into fights, shooting people, and you've got a lot of gang violence. And you know what else you've got down in New Mexico? You've got a lot of criminals who yeah. are hovering around that place because they can traffic humans and they can traffic drugs because that's right near the source. So, But hold on, though. Let me challenge you on that. Sure. Is it the 95% of law-abiding citizens who are involved in these gun violence? So I no. guess if I don't know what the benefit of keeping them because the crime itself won't change if those people are committing criminal acts like i don't know why you would say hey josh that's like you know it's like hey um we've got a rash of duis so anybody that has a driver's license you're not allowed to drive sorry 
I I am with you 100%. I'm only bringing it up. Yeah, no, I I hear you. Because it's not that she doesn't like guns. It's that she is so deluded to think that guns are the problem. Or, or, what is the one thing, what is the one thing in this country, right, that that is protecting the people from these other people taking over? Yeah. What is the one thing they would have to get rid of? And I'm not even talking guns because it's part of that. It's the constitution. Yeah. The constitution, which gives us rights to bear arms, the right to free speech and all kinds of other rights. And what they've done is, is they, they've, they start to create problems that give them an excuse to say, look, this constitution isn't working. We've got to change the laws. And New Mexico is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Because they've created that situation by allowing the drugs to come across the border, by allowing the gangs to form and not, you know, putting the funds, they're spending all their money on stuff that doesn't matter. If you were putting a tinfoil hat on, you would almost think that they did all of that stuff to create the violence to then be able to justify an emergency Pin- order, which they could take away your guns. Tinfoil hat firmly engaged. Okay, now let me take it off. <laughs> Just look at the facts. I'm not talking conspiracy theories. Look at every major mass shooting, all of the ones that hit the news in the past 20 years. Every one of them. Do you know that every one of those mass shooters, almost every one of them, I'm going to say maybe 80 to 90% of them, they had some kind of relationship or contact with a government agency. Las Vegas, uh, Aurora. You remember the Aurora, Colorado guy? He He worked for DARPA. You know, the kid that shot up the, I think it was Connecticut, right? He was like, Sandy Hook. Yeah. So he had hacked a government site and the FBI came to him and offered him a job when he gets older, when he was a kid, when he was like eighth or ninth grade or something. They, you know, so then the guy in Florida, uh, Broward County, I think that's, that's all I can remember. Uh, I can't remember the school because my brain's fried. Yeah, I know. That guy also, Stonewall or yeah, uh, Stoneman Douglas or something yeah, like Doug, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah, that dude was on their radar and had been confronted by the FBI. Uh, you know, like they were aware of him. They'd been, there'd been, you know, he was, on, he was on a list basically. Like all of these people are already either on a list because of something they've said or done. They've been reports. They've had communications with they worked for them dude the las vegas one is is bonkers well now i'm not talking the guy that ran that whole case for the las vegas i don't know if he was like a special agent he's hawaii he's now the police chief of maui dude dude maui is nuts so okay here's the things that get me now again now i'm gonna put my tinfoil hat back on but there's a little bit off to just address facts. Yes, there's conspiracy theories. That's when you take something and you go too far with it because you don't know. So you surmise the rest of the details. But dude, like, like you can get on the internet and you can look up on military, like social media pages about directed energy weapons. They've had them for many, many years, right? They exist. You can basically shoot a high frequency beam at something and you can create a situation that would be perfect for it's really interesting you're saying that because if anybody's listening to this hit pause and go google green lasers over hawaii because earlier this summer it was actually right around the it was shortly after we shot down a object 
like right after the balloon floated over the United States, right? So we one have this the weather balloon. balloon. One of the balloons, right? One, one of the, the balloons, made right? All yeah. Across. So like this weather balloon, right? That's not picking up any information. It's just flying over a very specific part of Montana where we have military bases in the north. Um, but you know, it comes down through there, and then shortly after, people remember there was there was a report that we shot something down in like northern Alaska or something mm-hmm. like that. And we actually had made multiple shots and one of those million dollar missiles just, I guess, slammed into the side of a mountain or something, um, which is crazy in and of itself, right? Like, that's just nuts. But so we, we've got this thing that gets shot down. And then it was like a week or two later, I remember seeing these reports of these like green lasers that were sh- like in the air over Hawaii or near Hawaii. You could see the videos of them, dude. They look yeah. It looked like the Aurora Borealis, except it was perfectly lined up in grids. And then you think about the whole thing in Canada, which I have like a gripe with because I got really sick. Dude, I a did chest, too. a chest issue oh. for a month yeah. from that smoke. Yeah. Like it was bad here in, in my neck of the woods in Pittsburgh. And then it's like, I don't know, you could, again, maybe I'm going crazy because there's so many things that we're just being bombarded with because of technology. We have this opportunity to see every news story left and right maybe it just seems like there's more happening than there really is but i don't know see like oh how did these fires start it's like fire started here 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 and their justification was that it was lightning strikes that were hitting trees up in canada that weren't managed like okay maybe so so (laughs) lightning strikes that sounds like something completely out of human control right? Like we can't control the weather, right? Yep. That's what they've been telling us. You remember the, you know, the, and again, so like, I'm not a guy that believes every conspiracy theory. So when someone starts talking about, you know, the, the chemtrails that they put in the sky, right? That sounds like bonkers to me, right? Until, Until you learn that the but they uh, do United it. Arab Emirates actually seeds the clouds and makes it rain. They did it in China too for the Olympics. For the Olympics, and then and they, so it's like the moment you discredit something, you find out new information, and you're like, "Whoa!" But no, I'm with you. Like, I don't like to believe everything. I don't think the Earth is flat. You know, I don't think there's an ice wall. I, I, yeah, I get right, it. right, right. Yeah, the Earth isn't flat. There's not an ice wall. However, I am convinced that a lot of the stories that they tell us are not true, and they keep oh. proving that every day. Just archaeology all the time, dude. You know, have you, uh, have you, I know you're a Rogan fan. Have you been following his obsession with the bone rush guy up in Alaska? Yes, I have. Yeah. And th- this is actually, I'm so glad you brought this up. I wrote one thing down as a note. Okay. Um, so please continue. I don't want to interrupt your thought, right. but I have something that leads right into this with that. I wanted okay. to specifically talk to you about this. So. Okay. So we have been told, okay. We have been told uh, that the earth is millions of years old, right? That there is that, you know, that there was a so many millions of years in the dinosaurs were all killed off by volcanoes. And then we're told that there was an ice age. And then we're told that these animals didn't live in these places at these times. And that these animals are X number of millions of years old because they're found in this layer of rock that is X millions of years old. Right. I get it. I get it. That's science. And I'm putting big quotations on it. I think a lot of it is they need to tell the story and you know if if there's one thing my my opinion on science in general if they can't make up their mind on whether eggs and bacon 
are good for you or bad for you, and they change it every other year, why should I listen to anything else they say? Now, I know I sound crazy when I say that, but so for me, like, so, so then you get to this Alaskan bone rush thing, you know, and they're proving like, uh, you know, they're digging down and they're finding animals that shouldn't be there and the time frame that they would have been there. And you're finding animals alive in the same pile, right? In the same vicinity as animals that also shouldn't be there at the, like th those animals don't live in the same ecosystems. And here they are in Alaska, right? Like it completely throws the whole thing for a loop. Nobody can explain it. And I don't know, man, just for me, I think what it, what it does is it calls into question the narratives that we've been taught. So do I think the earth is flat? No. But do I think that the, the eighth grade earth geology class that they taught us about the origin of everything and the order that everything happened is true? Nope. Not for a minute. I know. No, you, no, you raise <laughs> a lot of interesting points, right? I think, uh, I, I wanted to bring this up and you're like literally one of the things I know you're, you're a very religious guy. You're very um, knowledgeable around like the, the actual, uh, I'm trying to think I'm, I'm blanking on the word that I want to use, but not just scripture, but you're, you're uh, like religious history. I feel like you, you know, a lot about that, that you went to school for religion, right? Yeah. Yeah. I went to a Christian school. I studied communications. And then when you're there, you get an automatic minor in Bible. So yeah. Kinda, so yeah, like you're, 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 you're up to your, your factual information, right? So I've been more and more exploring like kind of a similar thought. Like we, I don't believe hardly any of this. Like, I don't believe we went to the moon. So people, if you, if you've ever questioned where I stand on that, cause I am a big conspiracy theorist. I don't believe we went to the moon. I think or I think we did, but I minimum, think the video wasn't real. Yeah, at a bare minimum, <laughs> what we saw was not us going to the moon. Right. And if they're willing to go that far in a rush to beat the Russians, mm -hmm. I I'm willing to consider that we didn't really go to the moon. I mean, we never really went back. It's interesting. Um, but I think it's for a lot of different reasons. I've given a lot of thought and watched a lot of what Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock have talked about with the younger dryest impact theory. And it, it really does like you start to wonder were we is advanced civilization something that has happened multiple times. And we've just had mass die offs to a point where very small amounts of the human population survive and where it takes hundreds of thousands of years to get back to a place where civilization can thrive again and advanced technology like we think of advanced as this microphone the computer the internet all of the things but right but yet we still can't quite understand or conceptualize how the pyramids were made mm -hmm. or to the level that they were made right and that might be a little bit of an overstatement but they're they're very complex and even before the limestone was removed like the ge geometrics and the um, kind of placement of where they sit compared to the North stars and like all this different shit that I'm not smart enough to remember. But if you go and watch stuff, it's, it's interesting. That to me comes from a different level of advancement and mm -hmm. even Stonehenge, which isn't necessarily fancy, right? It's not yep. fancy archeology, span but that along with sites all across North America, all across the world that line up astrologically, yep. 
or astronomically. I guess it might be both, right? Well, think about if like our civilization, if we got hit by something massive, right? Mm -hmm. Like imagine if it just was a people killer. 90% of humans on earth are just killed. 10% survive. Who's who's taking care of the bridges, the building? Like that shit's going to be gone in a few hundred years. You're even if people start to try to rebuild, like it's going to take a long, long time. It's all going to go away. But when civilization, if it did ever come back, they would see some things that wouldn't make sense in the context of which they understand life. Mm -hmm. They would only be able to understand all of these big, giant metal Coliseum looking things. Like, what are they? You know, they wouldn't know that they're professional sports leagues and that some of them are football, some of them are baseball, like if those things were to still be around, right? So it's like and language deteriorates. Language itself deteriorates so quickly, right? So like even wording on a street sign that tells you what it is. Yeah, you you would have no understanding. In in a thousand years, you wouldn't understand it. Sure. So I guess where I go to this is when you think about that, not only does it, I agree, it breaks down science. I think what we're seeing is a lot of scientists whose life work is tied to dates and times and things that they've said are fact. And um, if you question it, then right? you're the, yeah, you, you, they, you lose funding. There's a lot of consequences. And, but I do, you said something actually important where you said, um, if we can't agree whether bacon is good for you or bad for you and eggs are good for you or bad for you. How do we believe any of it? I agree, but I would say we know what bacon is and we know what eggs are. It's more of the interpretation is bacon, bacon or eggs good for you as opposed to what is bacon or eggs. And so like, for me, I look at it and think if I don't think that most of what we are being told is accurate, that goes into religion and like how, I've, I've kind of, and I think we talked about this on one of the podcasts, right? Like I grew up in a very Catholic St. Bernard, Roman Catholic family. Like you don't even question things right. that you think about. As I've gotten older, I, I moved away from religion. I kind of questioned everything. Wasn't atheist, but it just was like, didn't. didn't are, you questioning, are you questioning back in now? Well, no, I've, I've gotten much more spiritual and that's such a corny word to say, but you, you know, I, we go to church. I, I take, I, I, I want my kids. Cause I think there is a regardless of what I believe in the call it the magic of religion, I believe in the general structure, regardless of the types of people who have tainted it from a sexual abuse standpoint. I still think those people are just bad replications of humans. Those are bad mm-hmm. examples of human beings. And those are in all things. Um, and, and I think humans and a, destroy and a, poor, a poor structure uh, facilitates it too. Exactly. Right. So hundred percent. But I, I believe in I believe in the structure of of just family and and you know, trying to raise my kids to believe that this isn't just a particle explosion. Something grand and ex- and great has happened. And you should treat other people and there's a lot of great stories and it's a great way to live your life. But when you think about all of the things that we're talking about, I I'm just honest with myself and I'm like I get it's part of the mystery aspect of religion and that's why it is what it is. And that's why you have to have faith. But when I can be so very confident that all the rest has been humans are humans and we take liberties that explaining things and kind of creating justifications, how does long way of saying, how does, if, 
somebody's mindset around younger dries, which changes dates and when humans may have been around, how does that justify a book like the Bible? And how, or how does that impact your view on it? Or do you have to take a hard stance and say, like, I just can't believe something like what Graham Hancock is saying simply on the fact that there's a book and that one book says that it's different. And so because of that, I have to change that. And I, and I want to just see this with one thing. I don't look at Latter-day Saints and Christianity as the same thing. I, I, I just, I spent a lot of time around a lot of Mormons. So I, I know a lot about that religion. There's just a lot that doesn't make sense to me and I'm not going to bash people. Right. But I will say some of the very, the, some of the most very um, intelligent, successful business people, logical, just very, very smart people are Mormon that I, I know many of them. They're usually the happy. way they approach anything is different than how they approach their religion. Like they'll have skepticism about a business deal, but they will believe there's seven layers to heaven and like all these, <laughs> and that like this guy found golden tablets and that, you know, Jerusalem's in Kansas and like he was all the only one that could translate it. Right. Yeah. So right. it's like, but I know people who with a straight face tell me it's because I had, that's, that's, I have faith. Right. <laughs> and so that's a hard thing to break from. And I think w- allowing myself to do that has allowed me to have a bigger brainstorm, which then I always rein back in. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I don't, I think there's a lot of people that limit the way or the possibilities that they can think about because of that religious framework. So hopefully I'm giving you a lot of seeds here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to kind of like maybe understand where I'm coming from, because I think there's something to religion, right? There's something to it, but I'm not willing to throw out what I see as very strong evidence of kind of this reboot of society multiple times, which logically makes a lot of sense when you look at a lot of different evidence. So I would say this, I would say, I I love the, I love what Graham Hancock and these guys are doing. Did you watch the ancient apocalypse on Netflix? Yeah. It it really ticked me off when he starts referring to Yahweh as a bad God, but that's another story. Um, (laughs) But so here is the one, I would say the one question that I would ask them and that they would think I'm crazy for asking. And, you know, just in the same way that like, okay, so we talked about how science will set itself up and won't allow itself to be questioned, right? They'll say, well, this, this is the science. You can't question the science. And if, if COVID has done anything, I think it's done a good job at making us question what they say the science is. So one of the, th- you know, and you look at the guy, there was the guy that what, who, who tried to say, Hey, look, I'm looking at the order in the universe and I believe in intelligent design. He's not even saying that he doesn't, that he doesn't believe in evolution. He's just saying to me, I observe design. And so I think that there may, may be a designer. And then the guy is blackballed from all these universities because he says that, right. That happens all the time. So, so the question that I would have that I think might throw a whole wrench in all of those theories in particular is is dating and the carbon dating and the things that they're doing to to give dates is that process itself accurate and in as i'm looking at that process i mean i don't understand all of it but there's a whole lot of things that seem a little bit far fetched that you have to accept in order to accept it like they can say well we can drill 
uh, you know, we can drill holes way down into the Arctic and we can look at the air bubbles and we can see how much carbon is in them. And then, you know, and then we can determine that at this point in history, that's how old the air is there, you know? And so the whole, the whole, the whole science behind carbon dating to me just seems like it has a lot of presuppositions that you have to agree with in order for carbon dating to make sense. I, I agree. And I, maybe I'm mistaken in this because maybe they do. Act, and, and this would be troubling if I'm thinking about it correctly, but my recollection was they challenge carbon dating quite a bit and being like other scientists are like, this can't be because the carbon dating says that this building or the Sphinx is from 3000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. But the evidence that they're looking at is not carbon dating. They're looking at it and saying, okay, we know that for the, the Sphinx in general, like we know that it has not rained in the, that area of Egypt, right? Whatever the, that Valley, I think they call There's some sort of, uh, I'm such an, such a bonehead. I, I talk about this stuff as if I know, but there's a Valley there, um, that which has not rained in like 7,500 years, but the Sphinx has clear water erosion on it. So it's like, Hey, I don't care what your carbon dating says. That thing has thousands of years of water on it and it has not rained in 7,500 years. So like people were here building shit a lot earlier than you think humans were even walking around in this area, the Nile cool. Valley. The Nile Valley, right. Or, or it has water damage on it. It has erosion on it. Water caused erosion. Uh, and maybe people were all around building things quicker or, or more recent than we think. You said something there because you talked about it has water erosion on it. That is the common factor in all of all of these things across the world all of these things across the world is you have you have water flooding catastrophes all over the world now the younger dryas theory says that you know the 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 flooding came as the ice caps were melted because of the comets or whatever and then it caused the flooding and it wiped everything out but I mean, my story has a flood in it too that destroyed everything. Mm -hmm. And it was a cataclysmic flood. And if you if you can question the dating, right, of science, because we see that that, has, that can be drawn into question. Now, I'm not saying I have scientific evidence for what I believe. Mm -hmm. all right? But I can make a case and say, all right, so what if, you know, is there an answer to this question that, that you're that that comes out of it, and and I I would say yeah I think that, you know for example, um, you know you had dinosaurs all over the earth, and we all know that dinosaurs lived way before people lived, right? Except for the fact that you can find dinosaur tracks and human tracks in the same rock layer, you know that was mud that turned into you know rock, and you can find that in several places. Like, what do you think that is? What do you think dinosaurs were real? Yeah. I think that dinosaurs were real. I think that they were lived. they ever mentioned like in a biblical sense? Oh, sure, all through it, dude. Um there's the story of Leviathan, there's Behemoth, 
you know, they, when you read the descriptions of those in the book of Job, I mean, they are, one is like a large sea creature. The other is a large land creature and it doesn't line up with, uh, you know, the, 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 when you read it, it doesn't line up with any other land creatures that we know. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, um, what would, what would be the time frame of the book of Job? So the book of Job would have been after the flood. So, uh, so it's actually, uh, I'm trying to think. So if we go with, with now, again, there is a part of me, right. That's kind of like your Mormon friends who said, I believe that this book is true. Okay. And so that is my frame of reference that I look at the world through. So I start with that and I know that I'm looking at it with faith, but I can also look at it and I can say, all right, there, there are going to be places that I will run into where I'm choosing to believe something on faith. Sure. But I can also look at it with logic and I can say, does this line up? So the book of Job would have been after the flood. And so then the question is, well, does that mean dinosaurs were on the ark? Well, according to the, the book of Genesis, uh, two of every creature, right, that, that creeps on the earth would be on the ark. Now, I do believe in evolution in the sense that in a very short amount of time, I think that, that creatures can kind of shift or change. And the evidence for that is every breed of dog that we have right now, every breed of dog that we have right now. Came from a wolf. Even, even more recent than that, we don't have any breeds of dogs that are really much older than about 500 years old. The dogs from 500 years before did not look like the dogs we have right now. And so look at your Chihuahua. I don't know. Do you have a Chihuahua? I, we, not, not anymore. Okay, I used but, it a long time okay, ago. So it's so, okay. You used to have but You know, it's funny. I know where you're going. So when I had a Chihuahua, my wife at, at the time we were engaged, she had a Chihuahua and brought that beautiful puppy into the relationship. And I had a pit bull. And so we <laughs> had a pit bull and a Chihuahua. Both of them are dogs. And they're very different. Very different. Very different. And their DNA tells them that they're dogs. Now, so I think that, you know, the chances are good. Would there have been multiple different kinds of dogs on the ark? No, there would have been kind of a proto dog, right? Uh, You know, maybe a proto wolf or something that has, that then splintered into the multiple kind of coyotes and dogs and wolves. Do you know what I mean? Like it was, you know, they, they, they branched off of that, off of, you know, in the same with cats, you know, a cat, your house cat and a lion and a tiger are very different, but I think that they could have come from one set of common ancestors. And so maybe it's the same with some of the dinosaurs. We don't have a whole lot of dinosaur DNA to compare, although yeah. we have found, we have found mummified dinosaurs, not fossilized dinosaurs. We found, we found a mummalized ankylosaurus. And that completely goes against the timeline that we're given mm-hmm. because it has, it has, has physical tissue, not just stone that has replaced the tissue. So, you know, and, and so, yes, I do believe that there was technological advancement before the flood. I think that a lot of the things that we are seeing are related to that. I think that, um, you know, the, the astronomy, the things like that. And the story in the flood, you know, before the flood was that the sons of God, which uh, that word literally refers to angelic beings. 
So angelic, angelic beings went into the daughters of men and they had children, which were the Nephilim, which were the giants, which were men of great renown is, is the word that, that the wording that's used there. So, you know, there, I, I think that there was some supernatural DNA things happening and, and, and there were, and with it came the corruption. So before the flood, every thought, this is what the Bible says. It says every thought of every man was evil all the time, Right. So everything had been corrupted and God found one man in his family that he decided to spare, you know, one man and his wife and their three sons and their wives and mm -hmm. decided to spare that family. Um, and then here, th this is the other thing that's crazy about archaeology. Every culture has certain myths, right? You know, almost every culture has dragons in it, large mm -hmm. serpent-like creatures, that sounds Pretty kind interesting, of isn't it? Some of them flew, right? Mm -hmm. Which some dinosaurs flew. Um, there is also a lot of, I love watching like ancient aliens and things like that because you can see a lot of, now, you know, I, I don't think that aliens are little green men on other planets. All right. I think that extra, I believe that extraterrestrials are, are angelic or demonic beings. You know? So it's interesting, you know, I don't know that I would go in either camp because I don't know that it matters to truly define it. It probably does actually, but like for me, it doesn't matter because I've kind of come to this thought recently that religion and aliens are one and the same. I wouldn't go as far as saying it's angelic beings or it's, but to me, I think that that is the creator. I think whatever we perceive as aliens is also what is perceived as God. I mean, there's, there's some really interesting um, impictions or depictions of um, like an alien holding like a monkey with a mm -hmm. long tail. It's like cave carvings, mm -hmm. which when you start to think about humans and higher primates and you start looking at evolution we just kind of accelerated at this rate that was so much faster. And, you know, like it throws religion on its head. And I'm sure like you know, some people are just like, no, don't say this. Right. But like, I just don't think that we should be so arrogant to think that we know a hundred percent of anything. And that like humans have translated things through books in different languages and that it's all been a hundred percent exactly because it's the way that it's supposed to. So none of it got missed. Like, I can't get my wife with, you know, we have Google Sheets and share information and we're still not on the same page at the end of the week. So, like, I have a hard time believing that that story has remained 100% pure, but I do think it's a great way to hold everybody together around something that has something there. It's like, you got to keep people coalesced around something. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of what this shit with aliens, it's like, okay, if this is real, if there's something out there, if you're taking the government's word, which... You know, that's I'm scary to even say that, that it's not our technology and that it's not China's technology, then something's out there, right? And Bob Lazar was talking about a lot of this shit in the 80s it's mm -hmm. about as far as like how they how the crafts moved. We have very credible fighter pilots that are seeing these things, they're documenting them. It's on camera, it's on radar. We can't explain it. If you listen to Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp on the latest episode of Rogan, where they talk about this, they, 
you know, they said some things that actually kind of scared me a little bit, which is like, maybe this is being hidden from us because the implications of what it means of what we know is so grand that it just destroys everybody's understanding of what they know. And religion could be one of those things where people's whole like, oh my God, I believed this. And now you're telling me that aliens came down here and they've engineered this whole civilization. Maybe they were the creator of Jesus, right? Maybe aliens are why Mary was able to get pregnant. Maybe they did this big experiment on us the same way that we do experiments on things. Like we do experiments on shit all the time or, just because, right? Like, or what if the implications of it are that they're not extraterrestrials as the common narrative is, but they are, but it actually confirms the biblical narrative because honestly the world wouldn't be ready for that either. Yeah. At this point, the world would not be ready. So if the whole biblical narrative was true, right? Cause that's the premise that I operate on. So if it were all true, if the biblical narrative were true and if these visitors from the stars, right. Are celestial beings, whether they be angels or demons or, or both. Right. And and if that were the case, people wouldn't be ready for that either. We couldn't handle that as a as civilization for all that to come out. I think the demons are among us. And I probably sound people who, who are going to see me in town are going to be like, this guy is a whack job. But I, I do. I think take it how you may, whether it's evil intentions or just evil. I, I look around government. Just there's some people, man. I think it yeah. is it is the devil. It's demonic. There's just bad shit. <clears throat> I, I've seen it. I just, yeah, you can't explain it. You know, I, whether I, it is something like that Las Vegas shooting. I mean, that one creeps me out. I mean, we could, dude, we should have a, we should do like a monthly uh, conspiracy podcast. Cause I got down a rabbit hole today. Are you familiar with Oswald's gun and the, um, so it had a shoulder strap on it. Dude, and- the, the whole JFK thing, dude. There's photos of them carrying the gun and it's got a side mount for the uh, shoulder strap. Like it's clear as day. There's multiple photos of them like leaving the depository with this gun. And then in the Warren Commission, there's photos of the gun and it has the same serial number. But when you look at the serial numbers, the numbers are engraved like a slightly different shape. And then you clearly see that in the one with the Warren Commission, the shoulder strap the mount of it is on the bottom of the gun and like they show the two side-by-side photos and it's like i guarantee you if i was to bring this up to my father-in-law he'd be like oh don't that's so just just quit with your conspiracy theory you know what i mean he would it would be like i don't even want to talk about it maybe out of fear for it being true for um, not wanting to talk about something you don't know a whole lot about so people are kind of like i don't want to talk about it but just think about that Literally, you're looking at two photos. The president died. They don't match. Like, oh, okay, well, let's just go back to, let's go to TGI Fridays. What do you want? You want some French fries? And are, can I get a Diet Coke with that? It's hey, a horrible thing. Did that you they see killed. what happened on horrible Instagram? Horrible thing he killed Kennedy. Horrible thing. Yeah, I mean, dude, yeah. it's like they they shot our, pre- they killed the president. I, I just watched the the JFK, the Oliver Stone movie, again yeah. with Kevin Costner. And I hadn't seen it since that like a long time and I forgot how boring it was because it's not a movie. It is not a a theatrical presentation for you to watch. It's a documentary made with actors Mm -hmm. and it's literally fact for fact of everything 
And when you look at all of those things and you can go and look them up, like, like there's not a lot of dramatization there. That's why it's boring because it's not, they didn't try to make it an engaging movie. He mm-hmm. just tried to present all of the, all of the evidence. And now we're finding out that the CIA was involved. Dude, the whole thing, it's all about the deep state. It's all about uh, preserving power for the, uh, you know, Kennedy didn't want to go to war in Vietnam. He, he he did go to, you know, he didn't want that. That wasn't his goal. His goal was to pull out, but that wouldn't make the money for the industrial Think complex. about Think about one thing, Josh. When you think about what's, when all this stuff started to happen, right? When our government started creating three-letter acronym agencies, it was when voices were able to be glued together. It was when people started to protest, right? Like before the 50s, there really wasn't like a narrative that society was able to spit. It was this information was getting to you. Most people didn't even have television. So it's like you're hearing about things after the decisions are already made, right? Like talk about like election integrity and shit. Like you found out who got elected like weeks after when somebody on a horse came to your town when you go back far enough, right? So it's like even up to the 50s, if you were able to figure out a way to get into government, you were you were just in this insulated bubble, this machine that was getting all the same type of benefits that politicians today are, but they were doing it in isolation and nobody had a voice to speak up. Over that last, call it, you know, 50, 60 years, that has only increased exponentially year after year, you know, generation after generation to the point now where the battle that we're fighting against with the government, it is to, you know, it's like, okay, this group of students who's mad at the faculty, now they have this communication where they can start to coordinate amongst each other. And the power of them together is now able to overthrow us. And we are now at risk when in the fifties, how would you ever get that, that number of people, right? Like it was, you had to get people to march on Washington or like you weren't, you weren't going to get that type of movement. It can happen in the blink of an eye. I mean, well, it, it did happen after world war one, you had the, the Hoovervilles, right. Where all the, yeah. the soldiers, protested on Vietnam or pro, not Vietnam protest in Washington to get their benefits that they weren't, that they were promised yep, that's and they right. were all broke. And then the government ordered soldiers in to, you know, to kill them. You know what I mean? That happened, you know, because it was getting out of hand. They wrote them off and some of them were killed, but the, here's the thing that I think what we miss when we look at the power that we now have, Right to communicate a message to the masses, to change things, right? Is it is also very, very, very influenced by big tech, which is basically in bed with the government and has been from the beginning. You know, you look at um, the CIA programs that were scrapped when Facebook launched, you know, because it was a CIA program, you know, like, so the problem is those students who are trying to have a revolt and they're standing up and they're doing what they're doing. 
they're being manipulated as well. I, I, like you said, what would happen if you threw a war and nobody came? I think that's the goal, dude, is to get, they, there are people in charge who want more power and they, they used COVID to get more power. I believe they made it in a lab and I believe they caused it. I know I'm crazy for saying it, but we keep finding out things that make it look less crazy. A lot of people made a lot of money. And now, you know, they, uh, they stir up the voices to do the things that allow them to take more power. And now they're playing on people's legitimate concerns and fears and problems. Right. But it's, it's been that way for a long time. You know, I mean, Obama, the Obama administration, I think, I don't know if it was a law or an executive order, but there was, there was, you know, basically they removed the protections that kept the government from using propaganda against the people of the United States. Like you weren't allowed to, to try to influence public opinion without actually, you know, like before you could influence public opinion by saying, you know, this is what we want you to think. But now they can just not say, this is what we want you to think. They can just make you think it, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they can tell you, and then you have to believe it. And, you know, that's now legal to do. So I don't trust any of it, dude, but, but I'll tell you what, dude, like, Right about uh, 2016, when when the world got freaking nuts over Donald Trump and Hillary, and Hillary was that who he was running against? Yeah, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I mean, this is his third election, dude. This is crazy. <laughs> um, but the world was nuts. Social media was nuts. All my friends were hating each other, and it was just I couldn't take it. I was going nuts. I'm like, I cannot handle this anymore. And my crazy hippie friend, Ezra Cataldo, I met him at the damn show in Austin, Pennsylvania. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but mm-hmm. he played in a band called Freakish Owl Boy. And uh, he was like, hey, man, just plant your garden and love your kids and take care of your neighbors. That's all that matters. And I'm like, I think you're right, dude. <laughs> like, I think like, part of the problem I have is that I'll start seeing all these problems and all these things that are just to the place where like, unless we're ready to all unite and go into the street and turn it over, it's just going to be this way. I think it's almost past that anyways. I mean, I really, I mean, what do we, well, that's what they want now. That's what I'm trying to say. Like I agreed. Yeah. Because I mean, when you had a well-armed militia, you could fight the government. I mean, that's how America became a country, right? We fought our freedom against the British. I I love this thought that when people say, like, we need the guns to keep ourselves safe from the government. I don't have guns to keep myself safe from the government. I have myself guns to keep myself safe in, in right. general. Like, it has nothing to do, like... I don't think that I'm going to meet up with all my other gun toting buddies at the local bookstore when shit hits the fan and we're going to like drive to like, no, I'm going to take what I have here, my rations, you know, I'm going to fortify down or I'm going to take my family and I'm going to protect them. That's why I would have something like that. And I think people forget we're past that. If we're in a place where this becomes biblical, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm which I think we're, we're pretty darn close, you know, like we hate each other. It's such a shame. It goes back to what we talked about, man. People that would have struck up friendly conversation and talked about the bills game, hate each other. 
because somebody doesn't wear a mask in a store. And so now that instantly makes me know everything about you because you don't wear a mask in a store. And I'm guilty of it because I've looked at people wearing a mask in a store and been like, you mother effer, like take, I, I just want to like walk over and be like, will you take Is that, that protecting you? I want to walk over and sneeze on them. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because the data's out, right? Like even right. CNN saying masks don't work. The data's out. Masks don't work. But, you know, like, I don't know, maybe that person just beat cancer and they're going through it. And in their mind, they're like, I don't want to have any issues because I have a weakened immune system. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the first week or two after COVID kind of was this big thing. Like, Hey, this is a problem. Remember when they, they really, it went from being like funny. There's like Corona bottle memes mm-hmm. on Instagram. And it like, was like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. This you is know, bad. Then grandmother um, started to die and we're yeah. like, okay, no, this isn't, yeah, this isn't good. I remember I went to Giant Eagle and I got groceries and I was in line and this lady that was checking me out, she's probably in her fifties and she was coughing. And just in my mind, I was like, you're killing my family. You're coughing on my stuff. Like people at the time were bringing their groceries home and spraying it down and letting it sit outside. I was like, never to that point. But I remember being like, this lady's sneezing on my, on my food. I'm going to die. You know? I was, I was paranoid. I didn't know what to think at the time, you know, now flash forward, like even a week or two after that, I was quickly like, okay, this just seems a little much like we're pushing this to, you know, full effect, but we all take on data differently. We all have access to data that's different. And just like I mentioned about the Oliver Anthony thing, how many people still to this day are wearing masks because the TV channels that get turned on in their house are telling them that it's a bloodbath in the streets. Everybody's dying from it. You need to get your fifth booster, right? I mean, if I'm thankful for anything, it's that I question anything and everything, even if it's something that I truly believe. I I just like to be the the person to push buttons. So it's like, it kind of works out. I'll challenge everything. And if you don't have a quick way to answer me, I get very suspicious about like, huh, well, that's that's funny. You would think that that would be something that was worked out already. Um, you know, like when you hear hundred percent effective, I just, I like repeating this. It's hundred percent effective. Do you know how they came up with that number? Do you, do you ever hear this? Yeah, they only measured the ones that were effective. So they, well, they had, so there was one person that died in the study group that was protected by the vaccination. They knew this. When they initially tested it, somebody died who took the vaccine. But two people died in the group who didn't take the vaccine. And one is 100% of two. Or two is 100, whichever the inverse is. I'm horrible at math, right? But that's how they creatively were able to say that it's 100% effective. Not that it 100% of the time kept people from dying. Mm -hmm. Like how misleading is that? Well, and the other things that we're not hearing, right? Like the people that I know, I have people that I love dearly that passed away, right? Because of COVID. Some people from my church that I love. And when you ask their family some questions and you start hearing the stories, both of those people got to the place where they had to be put on ventilators. And you know what? Years before COVID, the year before COVID, when my dad died, he died because his lungs went plastic because he was on a ventilator. That's a risk of being on a ventilator, right? So the people that died were on ventilators or they're given resmevadir. Do you know what resmevadir, what the side effects of resmevadir are? Fluid in your lungs. That's one of the side effects. 
So the people that died, those were the treatment protocols they got. Like vast majority of them, they won't talk about that. Yeah, no, the ventilator thing is a big one that nobody likes to talk about, but a lot of people died because of the ventilators. You know, there was, they were saying, you know, no, I, I heard a story about one guy. He's like, the doctor was like, we didn't put you on a ventilator because if we would have, your lungs would have given up on you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, no, we wanted you to fight. We wanted your lungs to be working. And I, I mean, it's a shame because, I, again, I don't think people wanted anybody to die. I think the government incentivized a lot of hospitals with money to be somebody like, hey, let's, yeah, somebody, well, somebody who made money on the bottom line. Right. right. Somebody somewhere wanted people to die. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't say that I disagree with you, Josh. I've, dude, I've really dude. gotten myself to that point where I don't, sorry. Jesus. Wow. You got to fly. I do. And he's mad that I'm talking about China. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. You need to get man. some chopsticks and go Danielson on him, man. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've come to that point where, um, have you listened or read the real Anthony, Anthony Fauci by uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? I haven't listened or read to that book. I've re- heard a lot of his thoughts on it. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., by the way, now I am probably not going to vote for him. However, dude, he is doing it right. Did you see this week, dude? They like stinking, they're changing all the rules in all the primaries. Oh, they don't want him up there having any conversation with people. They are shutting down like like the way it is right now, like in New Hampshire, like if he sets foot in New Hampshire to campaign, then all of the votes would go to the, the opponent. They just changed. I would be so like if I'm a Democrat, they're trying to do it so that if he shows up in New Hampshire, he would also lose all the delegates in Georgia, too. Like the whole thing, dude. dude. Wouldn't you be mad the same way that I like? I wasn't some rabid Trump fan, but I supported him the more that the establishment said we don't want him. Yeah, that's because I'm like, it's interesting. The things that you're saying I should hate him for are kind of pointless. And hey, there are some things that I would say concern me for him to be the president, but it's not any of the stuff that you're talking about. Why are you so adamant on him not allowed being allowed at the table? You know, what is what is the problem? If I'm on the left right now, and you're like, how do you not want to have for both parties? Well, they both did the parties, thing. They did. You the should thing. want every capable human being to throw their name in the hat right now, because the pool of individuals that could potentially be running this country is pathetic on both sides. And there's some promising people. Like I said, I love Vivek. And I, at this point, I look at Trump more as, I'm petrified what happens if he doesn't get elected and he, and that he doesn't get elected because of a real intense and it's already started indictments. I mean, the it's just, it's creating a really bad mix if he doesn't get elected that, that worries me. And I honestly, if you put a gun to my head, I like Vivek. I really do. I love, I love, how he approaches problems. I love how he listens. I love how he seems like a very measured, a lot of what I loved about Trump early on and the things that I disliked about him as he was being, as he was a president, I'm like, man, I love that you were tough and brash. And I love that you kind of shook things up and held people accountable, but geez, I would have loved you to do that around Jeffrey Epstein. Mm -hmm. You should have, while you had a chance, why didn't you use that toughness, Donald, to like figure out, why all these people in the government weren't 
being held accountable for fucking sorry I, i'm on this f-word binge but like you're you allow this to happen so i don't think it's as simple as like trump was involved or like orchestrating it but you're You've the president about- and you make your make a point to get involved in everything else to stir up shit you've you heard about his relationship to- with with jeffrey epstein right so uh epstein was going to his mar-a-lago resort and yeah. like basically like got a girl from there or something and as soon as he found out he actually turned he actually cooperated with the authorities immediately and was the only person who actually like said hey look this is happening and it needs to not happen so he actually this back like when he got arrested the first time down in palm beach area yeah yeah yeah. it was it was it was right around that time but what was weird was remember when um he was asked about Jelaine Maxwell and he said something really weird. Like he didn't really know her or something. You know, he, like he, he said something like, like, Oh, I, I wish her well. I, I wish yeah, her well. Yeah. And, and I think it, it was either he was like, I, I, you know, some, whatever it was, he like acknowledged knowing her and said, well, I hope, I hope things work out for her or something like that. When she was facing charges for it, one, he, it may have been one of his, cause he'll do that all the time where he'll, he's, he'll make a coded kind of statement. You know, it could have been, I hope nobody kills her in prison like they did Jeffrey. You know what I mean? But I don't know if that's what he was saying or not. I don't know. I saw him talking to Tucker about this. Tucker Carlson asked him, like, are you, basically, he was kind of getting at, are you worried they're going to try to kill you? Because they've tried everything else. They've tried to put you in jail. They've tried to impeach you. They've, like, what's next? They don't want you to be president, right? Um, And then he asked him about Epstein. And Trump got, uh, like, honestly, I, I... I watched the interview and I'm like, man, he just didn't want to be anywhere near that. And I don't know that that necessarily implicates Trump in any way, shape or form. That's not necessarily what I read into it, but more just that like Trump knows, obviously knows more than what he's saying about that whole situation. He was friends with all of those people. Yeah. I I mean, I don't think personally, I think he's alive. Yeah. That's a, that's a legitimate conspiracy theory that I have entertained. You know, I and they asked Trump that Tucker asked him, like, do you think he's dead? Do you think he killed himself or and Trump was like, oh, I think I think he probably killed himself. And Tucker's like, at least I think they killed him. But he, like Tucker kind of entertained, like, I think he might not even be dead. I mean, if the guy is a part of some sort of CIA or Mossad or. So Tucker Carlson, by the way, so when I watch Tucker Carlson. I love what he's saying, right? But I also know his father was CIA. <laughs> so, like, Anderson Cooper uh, trained, I think, did when he, like, he didn't go to school for journalism. He was involved. Like, all of these media personalities on both sides, dude. Are oh, you got so- me interested. So, wait, Tucker's dad was CIA? Pretty sure that's what I saw. I know. I know Andrew Tate's dad was CIA. Really? Yeah. Dude, all of these figures, I, I'd like to know if Oliver Anthony's dad was CIA. I'm just saying. <laughs> all of these figures, they have like really strange connections. And you know that that, and it, it stinks because like, like I've been listening to like the Sean Ryan show. Do you, have you, have you checked him out yet? Can't say that I have. Uh, really good show. If you like Rogan, you'd like him. Uh, Lean's pretty conservative and he's, he's former CIA and interviews a lot of CIA guys. But I think he's representing the side of the CIA that's good. I mean, obviously, there has to be good people in there, right? Mm-hmm. But 
but I tend to hear those those words and I tend to think snake, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's um so I'm just trying to surf through some of this stuff. I mean, you hear it from everybody, right? I think um who else did I hear whose father was possibly in the CIA? Who knows? I think there's a lot of people that probably even indirectly didn't even know they contributed to things. I'll leave you with this. Um, you're into conspiracy theories. Do you remember in school, um, gifted and kind of like uh, yeah. explore, the explore program is what they called it in Bradford when I was in like grade school. It may have been gifted program. Yeah, I was in a program like that in, in Port Allegheny. Yeah, the enrichment program. Okay. So maybe you're in the CIA. So the the conspiracy theory is that that was actually, and there's some there's some like really interesting ties if you look into the money trail, where that was a government funded program, and a lot of people believe they're all that, government funded programs. If it's well, they believe that it was a CIA funded program as a way to identify children who had very unique and gifted skills because it wasn't just like the best at math. Mm-hmm. Or the, it was like they looked at these different testing mechanisms, like the cat tests and all these other things. And like there were kids who were really smart that were not brought into that. But it was like personality traits that they looked for. And almost like they then continued to like, OK, we identified cast a fairly wide net. These would be potential candidates. And now they're tracking you through your educational system to potentially then bring those people in as assets or agents later on because they know they possess the psychological characteristics and capabilities that they would need from a recruiting standpoint. And I don't know if there's any truth to that, but it's something that I heard. And I've been like, ever since I'm like, damn, like that's very interesting. Knowing the way that they test it. Now, first of all, I I have a hard time thinking because I know that nobody ever approached me about going into the military or an intelligence ever. Nobody ever approached me about that. Um, Sounds like something somebody in the CIA would say. (laughs) I mean, my dad was in the air force and he was in crypto and had top security clearance. (laughs) Um, Spent a lot of time underneath the Pentagon, but um, he was like, he would, he was, he would go in and set up uh, communications equipment underneath the Pentagon. Hmm. So he, when he was in the military, he was picked for that because he could memorize long strings of numbers, which you would have to do in order to be able to uh, enter all the passcodes through all the doors to get into the places where you needed to do the work and to be able to remember the codes and stuff like that. So my dad did that, but, uh, but my dad played dumb. So we didn't know how smart he was until after he died and we found out that he was really a super genius. But uh, now when I was tested for that program, dude, it was amazing. So like, I thought I was stupid because everybody called me stupid and, you know, and I, I did not get good grades. I had like B's, you know, like I, I, I would get an occasional A, but like in my graduating class, I was 22nd and ahead of me were people who became eye doctors and dentists and surgeons and uh, rocket scientists. You know, those were all the people who were ahead of me in the class. So they didn't get picked for the enrichment program, but, uh, I took a Mensa test in the back of a reader's digest in the back of my English class one day. And my teacher recognized my writing ability and saw that I passed like at eighth grade, I got a per, like a really good score on that Mensa test and uh, decided to recommend me. So the testing, like there was a lot of like spatial reasoning stuff. And then a lot of like, I mean, I'm going to call it trivia, but it was like, you know, like history type questions mm-hmm. that you should know. 
you know, a lot of language arts type questions. And then they, they pulled, I remember them pulling my parents in and my mom doesn't remember this, but I remember this. And they told us that Josh is severely learning disabled and he has learned to do things the wrong way, which actually makes him more intelligent because he's figured out workarounds to all the learning disabled blocks he has. So like most people would write a T starting at the top, going to the bottom and then going left to right. Right. So when I write my T's, I would do the whole thing backwards and I would do it different each time. And that was on the test. They pointed that out. Like he's doing it like different, like all of the things that other people do a certain way to get to this point. He does those things different, which actually is a sign of his intelligence. Then they let me in the gifted program where I just basically goofed off and went stayed out of class. So, but I was never approached. I'd never had any, um, I don't even think I even talked to a recruiter for the army or anything like that. You know, usually you have, you run into one of those somewhere. I never even had that anywhere. So it's an interesting theory. I think there's something to it. I mean, there's so many different programs where, I mean, the school system in general is set up to identify those kids, right? Like between physical fitness tests, which. Oh, I I failed every one of those. (laughs) That's why they didn't. That's why. They're like, his, his intelligence is off the charts, but. But the dude can't do a chin up. Dude, okay, trauma story. I have to tell you this. So it's a presidential physical fitness test. And my gym teacher was was a horrible bully to me. Kindergarten, I couldn't tie my shoes very well. He tied my shoes together as a prank to, when he was helping me. And I fell down and split my lip and bled everywhere. Then it's time for the physical fitness test in sixth grade. And I mean, he would just make fun of me. And it was horrible, horrible. Dude. Jesus. Horrible, dude. Like, like I would have nightmares and I would get sick on gym days so that I wouldn't have to go to school. And uh, so it was a physical fitness test and he's like, there was me and one other kid. And I wasn't like particularly fat. I was just a large kid. Do you know what I mean? And like just being a large kid, like that's a lot more weight to hold up. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't, I mean, I'm fat now, but I wasn't a fat kid. I was just large and I didn't have, I mean, I was strong but I didn't have the strength to pull myself up and hold myself up in a chin up. Anyway, the other kid that was in that situation, there was two of us and he made the class line up in front of us. And then he said, you guys are going to do the girls test, which was the flexed arm hang where you do one chin up and you hold it. And I remember like, like we, we had to compete against each other in front of everybody and they're all laughing at us and make, you know, cause the teacher was horrible. And so I remember looking over at him, And he's like, we're both holding on for dear life. Our knuckles are turning white. He looks like, like, he's like, I need to go down. And I, I'm like, I wasn't, I didn't want to be the first one down, but I also didn't want him to be the first one down either. So like, we kind of looked at each other. And as soon as one of us was ready to go, we both let go at the same time. Uh, But it was dude that, yeah, I remember the dude, I hated those tests. I just wasn't fast. I wasn't, you know, the things that, 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 they were valuing and then that teacher just kind of made it so that like everybody had to value those things and it just well, I think yeah. what it is is you have teachers that are so insecure they find friendship with other students this is something that i recognized in hindsight i was always very observational i've mm-hmm. always been part of my own kind of like way of getting through childhood shit right i just had to be had to be resourceful. And as a result, you have to be aware and you have to be observational. And uh, I just always saw 
certain teachers, you know, everybody has their favorites, but it was like, you know, maybe this guy's a coach on a certain team. Mm-hmm. And so then not only does he have more familiarity with those students, which totally makes sense. There's going to be a higher level familiarity coaches, my, you know, health and gym teacher, maybe. Right. But this, it goes a level beyond that, that I recognize now. And I think back on it where those teachers were doing things to other students, the same way that other students did things to other students to get a laugh out of their peers, mm-hmm. which is really fucking pathetic. That like, I think about some of these grown ass men that I see now and I'm like, I'm 36, I'm going to be 37. You're in your fifties, maybe sixties now. And it's like, I, I find myself wanting to almost be like, Hey, you were a really shitty person. Like, do you realize that as a, you were what 35, you were my age and you were bullying other high school kids to get, you know, a pat on the back from an 18 year old who you thought you wanted approval because he was a popular kid in school. You were that insecure. That happens a lot more than I think people realize. I think that's honestly, when you have really shitty teachers like that, that exhibit that type of behavior, there's always a, to me, this linkage that goes to like, Oh, I bet you they're buddies, buddy, buddy with like a certain group of students. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've examined those in retrospect and it almost always proves to be that case. And then I see them now. And it's funny that they hang out with those same students. It's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, they're, they're still really close and whatever. Like that's not, that's not a crime in and of itself, but I think it's validation that these people for whatever reason, as a grown up, wanted to be cool and live vicariously through the popular kids in school and get kind of credit and points for being a part of that click as opposed to being mature and being a leader mm-hmm. and trying to broaden that group where they include more people, you know, it's just, uh, it's well, just like I, the worst of society. One of the things I try to live by now is recognizing that hurting people hurt people. You know, usually the person doing the hurting, it's coming from a pain that hasn't been dealt with in their own life. And like, I don't know what was going on with that dude's life, but I mean, considering how old he would have been, you know, he probably got the crap beat out of him every night by his drunk dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he probably had a really bad life. And, you know, I know he had an awesome wife who was my high school gym teacher and she was great. I loved her. She was amazing, but he was not great. That's crazy that there's that much of a contrast under one roof. Yeah. Yeah. So she was definitely the the better half. <laughs> oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, man, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I did, I wanted to ask you something as almost as a way to kick things off, because when I do my intros, I never, I never, so, sometimes it's real easy. It's like, Oh, I have, you know, Dr. Randy Stout, he's a neuroscientist from, you know, university of Southern North university or, um, New York's, uh, long Island technology Institute or something like that. But you do so many different things. And I kind of run into this as well, where people are like, I was at a wedding recently and they're like, so what do you do? Like, what are you up to these days? And I'm like, I don't even know. Like, I don't want to like rattle off 20 things and make it seem like I'm bragging to you, but I do a lot of different stuff. So, I mean, when somebody says, Josh, what do you do? What, what, what is, who is Josh? How do I best represent you when I, when I kind of put that out there? Yeah. So I think that, yeah. <laughs> 
More than expecting that question, were you? No, because (laughs) so like, I mean, I know the right answer is the one that, that properly brands myself. Right. That, you know, and so uh, I, this is how I like to identify myself. I'm a, an author, a podcaster. Uh, I mean, you know, what the work I'm doing at Manlyhood, I think is probably the most, in my mind, it's the most important thing that I'm doing uh, because I feel like it has, has a real impact on people's lives. Like that's my calling. That's, that's why I do a lot of the other things I do. Is so like bring awareness, kind of create other avenues that can stream into. Yeah. That or can pay my bills so that I can do it. <laughs> yes. You know, um, like, like I want to, everybody's like, Oh, you need to monetize that. You need to monetize manlyhood. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying, but I'm just like, I kind of hate, uh, I kind of hate the schmarmy way that people turn it all into a multi-level marketing scheme for everything, you know? Like, yeah. Dude, like, I don't want you to pay me $2,000 a month so that I can teach you how to get people to give you $2,000 a month. That's not yeah, what I have, I have no intent. Like, all I want is people to listen to the cool people that I have on my show. <laughs> I know. You know, and I, I had an add-on for the first 100 episodes, but I owned the coffee. Co- I was a partner in a coffee company, so right. it was a great, hey, like, might as well expose this to people and give my, it was more honestly, yeah, certainly wanted exposure for a brand that I was a part of. But it was also a great way to give the listeners of the show something special in return. Like, hey, look, if you're into coffee, everybody drinks coffee. Most people most people drink coffee. Here's some great coffee. Here's a great code because you listen to this all the time. And some great deals every few episodes that you can go and take advantage of that's really exclusive to only the people that listen to this show. And so I totally can resonate with that 100%. And I can sense, as I mentioned earlier, the there's no angle, right? You, you truly care about what you're putting out there and creating a group of people that I would say for the most part, all seem like they feel the same way. Yeah. That's what I want it to be. I do want to make some money off of it. I will say my podcast, like I, I do ads on Spotify with it and all the money that I'm getting from it. I'm just putting it back out into advertising to grow the show. Uh, So I'm like, so it started out at like a hundred bucks a month that I was paying in to kind of promote it. And now I've got like, you know, like, you know, I think last month I made like last month and I didn't do any new shows. I made like 600 bucks and I funneled it all into advertising to help it grow. Um, but my goal is uh, I, I do want to create something that I can kind of promote and make a little bit of money off of just cause you know, I want to be able to help fund it. But my day job, I just started the new day job and I'm working for Grand River Agency, which is uh, nonprofit and small business marketing. So we do, we help, you know, a lot of our, you know, customers are in the nonprofit sector. So we do grant writing and we do, you know, social media and we do, you know, email marketing and website design and all of that. Very kind cool. of stuff. And I'm really enjoying that. And they're not just nonprofits, but that's probably, that's kind of like our ideal client is somebody who's got a nonprofit that's looking to hire you know, maybe they can't afford $90,000 to hire a marketing person, but maybe they could, you know, put 40 to 50 out to, to contract with us and they get almost as good as what they would have gotten if they would have hired a person. Sure. Uh, I mean, it's not the same as having somebody that can sit in your meetings all day, but it's, it's good. It helps. And, and we're yep. getting some big traction with that. Um, And then, you know, my wife is a pastor at our church at open arms church and I'm pretty active and involved there. And, uh, you know, I, I play on the worship team and, uh, you know, I kind of 
help support her and the work that she's doing and she stays pretty busy with it. Um, and I mean, obviously the most important thing I do is I'm a dad and a grandfather, which is amazing. Got to go to my, my bonus granddaughter's volleyball game tonight and hang out with my, with the next granddaughter down who is like two and, uh, eating popcorn and spilling it everywhere. But kids are great, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And it's, you know, and, and they're also really hard, <laughs> you and know, you're when, telling me, huh? when, you're... when they, when, when they become adults, you know, there's, it's another whole set of problems because you do the best you can when you're raising them and then they get old enough to make their own decisions and they make some decisions that aren't always the best and, or they trying to make good decisions and they make not okay decisions. And you have to say, you could have made a better decision, but then that doesn't help them. It just annoys them. <laughs> So yeah. it changes and it's, but you're always a dad when you're a dad, you're always a dad. And so learning how to, how to balance that with my adult children and in a way where I can be supportive and helpful, but not be um, overbearing has been a challenge. So, but yeah, that's, that's the most important work I do is as a husband and a father. Love to hear it. I... And there's a lot of other stuff I do too. <laughs> Yeah, listen, man, it's, it's, it's great to catch up with you. I really appreciate it. You know, it's, it's time. I mean, I can't believe we've been on here talking for almost two hours. And yeah, it's- I feel like, like we're, we would get ourselves in trouble with almost every conversation we could have because we always have rabbit trails we could go down. So yes. Yeah. No, listen, people, <laughs> listen, I don't, don't pass judgment, but there's, listen, if, if I can leave you with anything, go look into things, take five minutes out of your time. If you, if you can't recognize how much of your time has been saved by all this great technology, you have more time now than you ever have. If you eliminate the bejeweled games and all the stupid things, take an hour, go listen. I, I All I do is consume podcasts and I try to listen to, yes, I'm a, obviously a big Joe Rogan fan. You all know that I love Rogan, but I listen to all kinds of different things from radio labs to you know, I try to just go and search on Spotify, different topics, things that I'm into. And then I'm like, all right, what are the top podcasts on this topic? Right. If I want to learn something about, um, you know, some sort of science, or if it's, you know, I was trying to understand quantum physics a little bit more and I'll, um, I'll have to see if I can go back and find it was, it was, you know, very rigid, but great information. So you don't have to be that in depth or that focused, but I tr- turn friends onto things all the time where I'm like, listen, you can get an education when you're mowing your grass, put your headphones in, go cut your grass for an hour or two and go consume a, a really good podcast. That's informative. Learn about something you're interested in. You know, if you've got a position, go l- listen to something about it for an hour so that you can actually back it up. What good is it to have an opinion and then be strong about that opinion. And the moment somebody challenges your opinion, you fold like an accordion. Like I, that's my biggest fear is like, I'm out here talking all kinds of stuff. It's like, I'm not an expert, but I at least want to know that I have some data that's based on some sort of, you know, somewhat of a relevant point of view that I can like talk about and, and be informed and educated. And that should be politics. That should be your kids. That should be how to be a better husband. That should be you know, if you're into a hobby, how do you be a better fisherman or a woodworker or, you know, gamer, whatever it is, like you should want to be the very best version of whatever it is that you want to be. At least that's how I want to live my life. And hopefully other people want to live theirs because those are fun people to be around. So 
That's you, why I enjoy you. Or I love, I've done that to you all day long. Or you could just be like me and make stuff up. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you could. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I look forward to connecting. Like I told you before we jumped, I've got some exciting news that um, I will, I will work my, my darndest to make sure that I can share when I come on your show, Manlyhood Mancast. So Listen, go check out Josh. Um, what's the social media pages so that everybody can find it? Yeah, it's at Manlyhood is what the social pages are. Or if you go to manlyhood.com slash podcast or whatever podcast platform you're on, just look up Manlyhood Mancast. It comes up. And uh, yeah, lots of good stuff happening there. We're going to launch our season six. I think that's the number I'm on, season six. We're going to launch the new season anyway in October. So we're really excited getting everything in place. So. Awesome. No, well, definitely. I'll make sure I like bring it up again um, and point everybody that direction, but appreciate you coming on as always, Josh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, if I don't talk to you, well, no, I will talk to you. So yeah, enjoy your rest of your week. We'll be talking soon. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. It.